थैंक यू एंड वेलकम टू आर पॉडकास्ट माई पर्सनल लाइब्रेरी आई एम प्रज्ञा तालिकोटी अ फिल्म मेकअप बाई प्रोफेशन एंड आई एम गोइंग टू रीड एंड शेयर माई पर्सनल थाट्स ऑन सम ऑफ माई फेवरेट स्टोरीज फ्रॉम वेरियस बुक्स ऑथर्स जॉनराज एक्सेट्रा एंड अ स्मॉल डिस्क्लेम राइट्स ऑफ दीज स्टोरीज आर विद द रिस्पेक्टिव पब्लिशर्स और ऑथर्स दिस पॉडकास्ट इज प्रोड्यूस बाई पिक्सल्स अनलिमिटेड एंड नरेटेड बाई मी दैट इज प्रज्ञा तालिकोटी टूडे आई एम गोइंग टू रीड शॉर्ट स्टोरी रिटर्न बाई ओ हेनरी द कैक्टिस William Sidney Porter, better known by his pen name O Henry, was an American short story writer. Henry was a master of surprise endings who wrote about the life of ordinary people in New York City. A twist of plot which turns on an ironic or coincidental circumstance is typical of O Henry's stories. Some of O Henry's works include The Gift of Maggie, The Duplicity of Hargreaves, and Ransom of Red Chief. His legacy includes the O Henry Award. an annual prize awarded to outstanding short stories the cactus the most notable thing about time is that it is so purely relative a large amount of reminiscence is by a common consent considered to the drowning man and it is not past belief that one may review an entire courtship while removing one's gloves that is what trisdale was doing standing by a table in his bachelor's apartments On the table stood a singular looking green plant in a red earthen jar. The plant was one of the species of cacti and was provided with long tentacular leaves that perpetually swayed with slightest breeze with a peculiar beckoning motion. Trisdale's friend, the brother of the bride, stood at the sideboard complaining at being allowed to drink alone. Both men were in evening dress, white favors like stars upon their coats shone through the gloom of the apartment. As he slowly unbuttoned his gloves, there passed through Trisdale's mind a swift, scarifying retrospect of last few hours. It seemed that in his nostrils was still the scent of the flowers that had been banged in odorous masses about the church, and in his ears a low-pitched hum of thousand well-bred voices, the rustle of the crisp garments, and most insistently recurring the drawling words of minister, irrevocably binding her to another. from this last hopeless point of view he still strove as if it had been habit of his mind to reach some conjecture as to why and how he had lost her shaken rudely by uncompromising fact he had suddenly found himself confronted by a thing he had never before faced his own innermost unmitigated arid unbedecked self he saw all the garbs of pretense and egoism that he had worn now turned to rags of folly He shuddered at the thought that to others before now the garments of soul must have appeared sorry and threadbare vanity and conceit these were the joints in his armor and how free from either she had always been but why as she had slowly moved up the aisle towards the altar he had felt an unworthy sullen exultation that had served to support him He had told himself that her paleness was from thoughts of another than the man to whom she was about to give herself. But even that poor consolation had been wrenched from him, for when he saw that swift, limpid, upward look that she gave the man when he took her hand, he knew himself to be forgotten. Once that same look had been raised to him, and he had gauged its meaning, indeed his conceit had crumbled; its last prop was gone. Why had it ended thus? There had been no quarrel between them, nothing, 
For the thousandth time, he remarshalled in his mind the events of those last few days, before the tide had so suddenly turned. She had always insisted upon placing him upon a pedestal, and he had accepted her homage with royal grandeur. It had been a very sweet incense that she had burned before him. So modest, he told himself. So childlike and worshipful, and he would once have sworn so sincere. She had invested him with an supernatural number of high attributes and excellencies and talents, and he had absorbed the abolition as a desert drinks the rain that can coax from it no promise of blossom or fruit. As Trysdale grimly wrenched apart the seam of his last glove, the crowning instance of his fatuous and tardily moaned egoism came vividly back to him. The scene was the night when he had asked her to come upon his pedestal with him and share his greatness. He could not now, for the pain of it, allow his mind to dwell upon the memory of her convincing beauty that night, the careless wave of her hair, the tenderness and the virginal charm of her looks and words. But they had been enough. They had brought him to speak. During their conversation, she had said, "Captain Carruthers." Tell me that you speak the Spanish language like native. Why have you hidden this accomplishment from me? Is there anything you do not know? Now Carruthers was an idiot, no doubt. He Drysdale had been guilty. He sometimes did such things of airing at the club some old canting Castilian proverb dug from the hodgepodge at back of the dictionaries. Carruthers, who was one of his incontinent admirers. Was the very man to have magnified this exhibition of doubtful erudition, but alas, the incense of her admiration had been so sweet and flattering. He allowed the imputation to pass without denial, without protest. He allowed her to twine about his brow the spurious bay of Spanish scholarship. He let it graze his conquering head, and among its soft convulsions, he did not feel the prick of the thorn that was to pierce him later. How glad! How shy! How tremulous she was! How she fluttered like a snared bird when he laid his mightiness at her feet. He could have sworn, and he could swear now, that unmistakable consent was in her eyes. But coyly, she would give him no direct answer. I will send you my answer tomorrow, she said, and he, the indulgent, confident Victor, smilingly granted the delay. The next day, he waited impatient in his room for the word. At noon, her groom came to the door and left the strange cactus in the red earthen jar. There was no note, no message, merely a tag upon the plant bearing a barbarous foreign or botanical name. He waited until the night, but her answer did not come. His large pride and hurt vanity kept him from seeking her. Two evenings later, they met at the dinner. Their greetings were conventional. But she looked at him, breathless, wondering, eager. He was courteous, adamant, waiting for explanation. With womanly swiftness, she took her cue from his manner and turned to snow and ice. Thus, and wider from this on, they had drifted apart. Where was his fault? Who had been to blame? Humbled now, he sought the answer amid the ruins of his self-conceit. Voice of the other man in the room, querulously intruding upon his thoughts, aroused him. I say. Trysdale, what's the deuce is the matter with you? You look unhappy, as if yourself had been married instead of having acted merely as an accomplice. Look at me, another accessory, come two thousand miles on a garlicky, cockroachy banana steamer all the way from South America to convive at the sacrifice. Please to observe how lightly my guilt rests upon my shoulders. 
Only little sister. I had to. And now she's gone. Come now. Take something to ease your conscience. I don't drink just now. Thanks. Said Trysdale. Your brandy? Resumed Dada. Coming over and joining him. Is abominable. Run down to see me sometime at Punta Redonda. And try some of our stuff that old Garcia smuggles in. It's worth the trip. Hello. Here's an old acquaintance. Wherever did you rake up the cactus, Trysdale? A present, said the Trysdale, from a friend. Know the species? Very well. It's a tropical concern. See hundreds of them around Punta every day. Here's the name on this tag tied to it. Know any Spanish, Trysdale? No, said the Trysdale with a bitter wrath of smile. Is it Spanish? Yes. The natives imagine the leaves are reaching out and beckoning to you. They call it by this name, Ventomarm. Name means in English, come and take me. Author O. Henry's ability to convey such powerful emotions without straying into the realm of sappy sentimentalism is noteworthy. This story shows regardless of our motivation, there does seem to be this intrinsic desire in human nature to adopt a different persona when placed in a social situation, especially when it comes to dating. As Shakespeare famously said, all the worlds are staged and all the men and women are merely players. The cactus can be seen as a cautionary tale pertaining to consequences when people are not honest with themselves or others, resulting in a missed opportunity of finding love. O. Henry hammers this point home with a sharp, ironic ending that is achingly poignant. I am Pragna Tarikoti. You are listening to My Personal Library, the podcast. You can subscribe, rate and review on Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify or wherever you get the podcast. To know more, please follow Pixels Unlimited on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. Thank you for your time. Keep on listening.